And welcome to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM, New York, and as always, streaming live at WBAI.org. This is your weekly news show where we focus on the issues that are dominating discussion, where we delve into the policies that shape our lives and we talk with elected officials from across the political spectrum and bring you conversations with the advocates and experts I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and each week my co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston, and I invite guests on to talk about a range of issues about healthcare, the environment, criminal justice, media, voting rights, and so much more. And today, this Women's History Month, we're going to be focusing on gender equity, the systemic inequality faced by women. And speaking of women, let me bring on my wonderful stellar co-host who brings her A-game every week, Celeste Katz-Marston. Celeste, how are you doing today? Happy to be here with you today, Jeff, and to be celebrating Women's History Month. Always a, always a good time, a good time to talk about really important stuff, which I think we're going to do today. You know, it's interesting because I was trying to remember, you know, some of the stories that I've written over the years or press conferences that I attended. I was actually at an Equal Pay Day rally earlier this week, and that's why this has been foremost in my mind in hearing all the statistics that we'll share some of them with our listeners throughout the show. So it's been something that, you know, that I've even covered in the past when I was a reporter, and I'm sure you have too. You've touched on these issues throughout your career. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to be talking about some of that stuff today. So I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to pop the cork on it too soon, but definitely issues of, uh, women facing discrimination in the workplace, in, uh, you know, many different walks of life, frankly. And of course, right now, Jeff, we've been looking at a lot of stories about what's going on in Texas right now in terms of, uh, the court case that's going on there over, uh, the availability of medication abortion and, um, that's going to be a big issue. I mean, I think that might go all the way to the Supreme Court, but certainly that's something we've been talking about a lot since the dismantling of Roe versus Wade. It's been really, really a consequential year in terms of reproductive rights, Jeff. Yeah, and the latest on that, from what I had seen from Associated Press, Celeste, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but yesterday, a federal judge in Texas had raised a number of questions about one group's efforts to overturn the decades-old U.S. approval of a leading abortion drug. And as you noted, that is a case that could wind up in the Supreme Court. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, this is a medication that has been available, widely available for 20 years. And I think that if you look at the research, it shows that this drug is safe. And you have people out there saying you know, right now that uh, maybe it should be taken off the market. Maybe it hasn't been thoroughly vetted. I think the fact that research shows that uh, there have not been dire consequences, you know, regardless, even regardless of your opinion on abortion, this particular medication, which is part of a two medication treatment that results in in um, ending a pregnancy. Uh, this medication has been shown to be safe. Now, I'm not saying that abortion is not a serious issue. It's not that it's not a debate that we're having in this country, that people have different opinions on uh, how widely it should be available or whether it should be available at all. But I think, Jeff, what you see is that if you look around the country, 
you know, in the in the wake of the uh, the end of Roe versus Wade as we know it, we're now seeing a bunch of uh, court cases and legislation popping up around the country that really sort of go at the heart of uh, women's ability to choose the the fate of her own body and uh, the course of a pregnancy. We have uh, legislation in at least one state uh, calling for the death penalty, the death penalty for wow. women who seek abortions. And I was just looking at another story right now. Um, there's a case in Texas. A guy is suing his ex-wife's friends for $3 million, uh, $1 million for each of her three friends for helping her obtain an abortion, Jeff. Wow. Just amazing. There's so much that we're going to be following on this, and we might want to do a whole show on this coming up in the future, Celeste. Very good idea. There's so much going on in the news. want to touch on one or two topics before we get to the topic of the day. Clearly, some of the biggest news that's been happening over this past week has been involving the collapse of several of our smaller uh, but still well-known banks throughout the country. Mm-hmm. There's been more developments today. According to the New York Times, there's an effort to, uh, among the largest banks in the country to, uh, and, I guess, in- inject about $30 billion, uh, into uh, other banks to prop up an, or to prop up another lender that's now been caught up in the turmoil. This is about First Republic Bank, Celeste. It's been at the center of the crisis. It's close to receiving this huge injection of funds from other lenders, from JP Morgan, Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo. This is according to sources that spoke with the Times. And meanwhile, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, was trying to reassure the public that America's banks are sound and that their deposits are safe. So we'll see what happens with that. Now, speaking of money, that brings me to today's topic. Earlier this week, I noted that I had attended a press conference with a number of union leaders, city council members, including uh, the city council speaker, Adrian Adams, and advocates on what is known as equal pay day. Now, if you don't know what day, what that is, It serves as a reminder of systemic inequality that's faced by women and particularly women of color. It's an approximate measure of just how many months into the new year a woman would have to work for her earnings to catch up with what a man made in the previous year. And in our country, women who work full time year round are paid an average of 83.7% as much as men. And that amounts to a difference of about $10,000 a year. And these gaps, as I noted, are wider for many women of color and women with disabilities. Now, the day is a reminder that it takes women 15 months to earn the same amount as men earned in 12 months. So essentially, the average full-time working woman has to work about two and a half months more than the average man just to bring in what he earned uh, last year. And that's based, these numbers are based on the recent estimate of the gender pay gap from the Census Bureau, which, by the way, was 84 cents among full-time year-round workers when part-time seasonal and gig workers are also counted. That gap, even Celeste, grows even wider, and the the time to catch up gets even longer. So uh, I want to just give you some numbers from New York State because Governor Kathy Hochul uh, her administration released a report as well this week about uh, this disparity in the state. And here she noted women earned 88.2 cents for every dollar that a man made in 2022. Mm-hmm. And as I noted, for women of color, Celeste, that number decreases. Black women earned 67.8 cents and Latina women earned 62.9 cents for every dollar that a white non-Hispanic man had earned. And by the way, last month, 
you know, you could see that legislators are always saying they're going to move on this. They're going to try to take action so they can address these inequities. Last month here in New York City, the council passed a package of legislation, uh, bills that would address pay equity, including one that would strengthen the pay equity law that was passed in 2019. And that would require the city's Department of Citywide Administrative Services. You all have heard of DCAS. That's the Department of Citywide Administrative Services, that it would collect and provide additional employment and pay data to the council on a yearly basis. Uh, and by the way, that new state report pointed out that in New York, the gender pay gap over the course of a 40-year career would amount to, um, Celeste, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if you could guess this number, but it would amount to $350,000, more than that, in diminished lifetime earnings with an e- even wider loss for women of cl- color, Celeste. Yeah, that's that's shocking. I mean, just just pause for a minute and think about that over a 40 year career over three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like how many kids could you send to college on that? Right. I mean, especially what if it was a, a you know a state school or a community college? I mean, how many times would you not have to go into into debt. How many times would you be able to put a down payment on a house right off your credit, you know, pay down your credit card bills? What if you had, you know, an, an urgent uh, medical need? You needed an operation. You needed treatment. I mean, God forbid something happened to you. That is money that you just simply would not have. So I don't think that's like sort of an imaginary number, Jeff. I think that's a that's a real thing. But, you know, going on, looking at more about the report that we were speaking about, we looked at this and found that, uh, you know, the pivot to remote learning and child care closures during the pandemic, limited access to child care, which is another big factor in unequal pay for working women. Women come out of the workforce to care for their children. When they come back, they may be at a disadvantage when it comes to those earnings. And of course, one more note here, the number of unemployed women in 2021 climbed to more than 405,000, and that was up from 207,000 in 2019. So with all that, lots of stats there, but that brings us to today's guest, Carolyn Maloney, somebody I've known for a very long time, and I think you've known for a very, very long time as well. From 1993 till the end of 2022, Carolyn Maloney represented the Upper East Side, Roosevelt Island, and parts of Brooklyn and Queens in the House of Representatives. A former teacher and administrator for the New York City Board of Education, she later held staff positions in the State Senate and State Assembly and served in the New York City Council in the 1980s before heading to Congress. And in Congress, she championed federal aid for New York's recovery from the 2001 terrorist attack, sponsored gun control measures, advocated for environmental protection, helped secure federal funding to complete the long-delayed Second Avenue subway, and supported increased federal funding for health care. But I think a lot of people may best know her for her work on women's issues. She's a one-time co-chair of the House Caucus on Women's Issues. She sponsored legislation such as the Child Care Affordability Act of 2007, the Campus Sexual Violence Against Women or SAVE Act, the 2005 Justice for All Act, lots and lots. So recently she has stepped into a new role as the Eleanor Roosevelt Distinguished Leader in Residence at Hunter College's Roosevelt House Public Policy Institute. And in announcing her appointment, the college president pointed to her vast experience in Washington on issues of deep concern to women and girls, including, of course, her longtime championship of the Equal Rights Amendment. So it's great to have her back here with us today. Without further ado, Carolyn Maloney, welcome back to Driving Forces. Oh, Celeste, so good to hear your voice. And I'm 
thrilled to be on your show, on, on Jeff's and your show. And thank you for paying attention to the wage gap. It, it affects women. It's unfair, and it's got to be corrected. Absolutely. So we're going to get to that in one second. But first, just want to give you a moment to let people know, what are you up to? How is it going at the Institute? I absolutely love it. I'm currently working at the Eleanor Roosevelt Distinguished, as the Eleanor Roosevelt Distinguished Leader in Residence at Hunter College's Roosevelt House of Public Policy. The Institute is housed, literally housed, in the home that Eleanor and FDR lived in. And so every time I walked into my office and walk into work, I feel like I'm walking into history. It's really very much like a museum. You have the fireplace where he had his fireside chats when he was in New York. It has his study where he offered the position to Frances Perkins to be the first woman to ever serve in a cabinet of a president of, for our country uh, for the, to be the Secretary of Labor, and she said, I will only take the job if you let me uh, develop and, and create the program of Social Security. So it was created in that room, and a lot of the New Deal efforts that passed under FDR's years were, were thought of and created in this incredible home, which is now just bursting with activity. There is you never know who you're going to run into when you walk into work. Uh, one day it's Afghan women, then it's ex-prisoners working for prison reform, and then it's housing experts, and, and then it's uh, women's rights experts there for the Equal Pay Day. Every day there's another pressing policy concern taking place in this wonderful home and institute now of public policy at Hunter College. I want to publicly thank President Robb, President Jennifer Robb, for her innovative work to, number one, create the Eleanor Roosevelt home. She took the home and had it refurbished and has turned it into a a public policy center. Mm. Uh, While I was uh, serving in Congress, we had numerous, numerous meetings there on gun safety, on the high price of prescription drugs, on the response to the COVID crisis, uh, to, to the bringing federal dollars in for the Madison Avenue LIR Eastside Connector and the Second Avenue Subway and our, our, our important public policy uh, problems that we are confronting. It's just exciting to go to work. I love working there. It's really exciting. And as you know, I began my career as a teacher. And mm-hmm. to be there with the Hunter College students, they're so bright and committed. And those that were selected to be part of the Institute are those that are interested in serving in public policy in the future for our great city and state. And as you know, Celeste, uh, there have been three great human rights, civil rights movements in the country, and uh, two of them happened in New York, uh, the, the whole women's rights movement and then the, the LGBTQ plus movement with the Stonewall Uprising. They all happened in New York. So. It's been a, a, a leader in, in public policy reform for Absolutely. For, every, for ever. And I love returning, uh, Jeff and Celeste, uh, to my teaching roots. 
So you mentioned you mentioned that uh, we were here to talk about Equal Pay Day, and we are. And thank you, by the way, for for filling us in on on what you've been up to lately at the institute. That that sounds like a ton of stuff going on, which is which is great. So, you know, earlier this week was Equal Pay Day, and two years ago, when you chaired the House Oversight Committee, you said this is not a day to celebrate. Why why is that? Is that still true? Oh, it's, it's so true because Equal Pay Day shows how many days into the new year women have to work to earn as much as men. So we have to work two and a half months more than men to earn the same pay for the same work. And I initiated this study back in 2001, and it showed roughly 82 cents to the dollar, and it's now 30 years later, 20 years later, and... and uh, Still, it hasn't budged. And I think that this is for white women. For black women, their equal pay day is in July. For Latina women, their equal pay day is in October. But any way you look at it, it's unfair. And when you discriminate against a woman's pay, you hurt her children, you hurt her husband, her spouse, her partner, and you obviously hurt her. And it's unfair. So uh, I, I support equal pay for equal work. It's one of the reasons that uh, I uh, have worked so many years on the Equal Rights Amendment, which we are trying to pass and have it ratified in the Constitution so that equal pay for equal work can be enforced. But what came out of this meeting, and we had uh, the great Eleanor Sneal there, and, and we had... Uh, Sonia Osario, the New York City Chair of NOW, and, and uh, Carol Jenkins, uh, who is the former chair of the ERA Coalition. I am now the chair of uh, the ERA Coalition, also working for the Equal Rights Amendment. But very importantly, we had Thomas Costa of the Government Accountability Office, and he just released, at my request, another GAO report and it's up on the GAO's website. Uh, we had this hearing last year, and we had the women's soccer team come in and testify. And as you know, they had one, one, uh, one, one great title after another. The men's team was losing, but they were paid twice as much as the women's team. That was unfair. But we've made progress. It's piecemeal. They are now paid. The women's soccer team were paid the same as the men. So that's a big step forward. But we need to have that really for everyone. Uh, what, the, what the GAO report has showed over the years that when you're younger, you're entering the workforce at the same pay as the men. But as the years go out, the dis- discrimination starts. And this particular report looked at women managers, and it showed that the, there's great discrimination. Women managers earned just 71 cents for every dollar paid to a man, and that comes to a 37,000 annual disparity. And women were also underrepresented in managerial positions, uh, 42% compared to women in non-managerial positions, mm-hmm. 48%. And then it showed that, that over time this compounds and it gets worse. And, the, and one of the reports from the Pew Foundation and for others said that over a woman's lifetime, this results for college-educated women a loss of $1.5 million. 
And that's a lot of money, and that doesn't include Social Security. So if you're underpaid in so, your paycheck, then you have less you have less pension, you have less Social Security, you have less investment money. And this particular report didn't look at bonuses. It didn't look at other ways that people make money. So it compounds, and it has the effect that the largest segment of people living in poverty in old age are older women. So, Carolyn, let me jump in here because, you know, there's legislative measures that can assist here. But when you think about it, a lot comes down to, you know, business leaders. For anyone who's listening who might feel that there are great disparities in pay between the men and women in their workplace, how do they how do they persuade top management that gender pay equity is important and has to be addressed? Well, it's the, it's the fair thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And uh, I think that all of these managers and CEOs are, are reading these reports and hearing these reports. Uh, thank you for having us on the radio and, and getting the word out. I also want to mention that Congresswoman Debbie Dingell uh, was at the conference with us, too. We're grateful to her. So I think people know about it. What is important about the Equal Rights Amendment and getting uh, women in the Constitution and really protecting them from being discriminated against is that you would be able to enforce equal pay for equal work. Um, I'm sure, as Celeste knows, and as you know, Jeff, we, we passed equal pay laws back in 1963 with uh, uh, the former presidents. Uh, it's, it's been around for a long time, but if you, if you uh, sue or whatever or go to court, you lose because women are not protected and against uh, discrimination. And basically the Equal Rights Amendment says that women shall not be discriminated against because of their sex. Kellen Maloney is the Eleanor Roosevelt Distinguished Leader in Residence at Hunter College's Roosevelt House Public Policy Institute. Also, of course, former congresswoman, former teacher, uh, worked in the city council, lots of things, knows the city well, and of course the national scene as well. So Congresswoman, maybe just fill us in since you're talking about this, and I know you and I have talked about this for a long time, the Equal Rights Amendment. What is the holdup? What is the problem? Why can't it just get passed? Well, there's, there's, uh, ask, uh, ask the Republican Party. Uh, they, they've been holding it up. Uh, ever since I've went to Congress, and, and Celeste and I have known each other a long time. I was the first woman to represent my seat in the city council, the first in history to give birth while in office. Many men had become fathers, but I was the first to give birth and first to represent my district in, in Congress. And I had a list when I went to Congress of things I wanted to do, such as build a second avenue subway. Everybody thought uh, it was a joke and it would never happen. Well, I got it built at the first leg, and we're now building up to East Harlem now. So uh, I was able to accomplish a lot of things, but I was never able to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. And uh, there is resistance to it. According to Article 5 of the Constitution, we have met the requirement, which is a two-thirds vote of the House, a two-thirds vote of the Senate, and ratification by 38 states. The last state ratifying was uh, Virginia in 2020. And, and so it should go and be ratified. Uh, the 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 uh, the Trump administration filed a memo saying that it should not be ratified because of the time limit. But when the st- 
states voted. It was on the Equal Rights Amendment, and we've met the, the requirements of it. What we have done now, we have put in a bill to make it absolutely clear. I claim it's already been ratified, but we put in a bill to remove the time limit. Congress added a time limit. Congress can remove the time limit. And a sense of Congress that it's already passed the House and the Senate. So we had a hearing, the first hearing in 40 years in front of uh, Dick Durbin's Judiciary Committee. I'm very grateful to Senator Durbin and Senator Schumer uh, for having this hearing, this important hearing. And uh, the senator, Senator Schumer, uh, one of the last things I did before I left Congress as chair of the Oversight Committee was request uh, that he have a vote on it, which he has promised to hold this year. It has been introduced in the House and the Senate. We have uh, 49 members of, of the Senate already co-sponsoring it. And in the House, we have 215. You need 218 to pass. So we're very close to passing it. I'm optimistic. And Congresswoman, and I know that's something that you've worked very, very hard on, and I hope that people are keeping that in mind as you continue to work on women's issues. And I wish we had more time to talk, but before we do have to let you go, this is not as exactly a policy question or a government question, but as somebody who has been uh, – you know, in, in public life so long, but also has worked in uh, private sector and uh, other kinds of work. I was just wondering if you could give people some advice who are listening. If women are listening and they feel that they're not being treated fairly or equally in the workplace in terms of pay, in terms of other types of discrimination, not being held equal to men, what would be your advice for how they should handle that? Well, I would say that we, we want to publicize any time a woman is treated unfairly. I would ask them to write to me at Hunter College, um, Eleanor Roosevelt uh, House, 49 East 65th Street, and, and let us see what we can do. There was a story that was picked up the day on Equal Pay Day, and it was of a woman who looked at the paper and saw that her position was listed online for $32,000 more than her current salary. And she had just asked for a promotion. Now, thank you to Governor Hochul and to the leadership, the Democratic leadership in the House, and not the House, but in the Assembly and, and the State Senate. They passed a Transparency Act that you can see what other people are being paid. The famous Lily Ledbetter case was when she was retiring and found out that her male colleagues had been paid twice as much as she was paid, although they had the same job, and she was a decorated uh, manager. So we need to, uh, uh, you know, really, really uh, get this out to people. Governor Hochul posted salary negotiating guidelines on the governor's website, which I think is a important thing to do, uh, but we passed in the New York State Legislature uh, transparency in pay. It goes to an, into effect this year in 2023. Uh, thank you so much to the leadership of the, uh, of, of the Assembly and, and the State Senate, but uh, that will help New York State, but we need to pass it on the federal level. We have the same legislation federally that has not passed, and uh, to be really fair, we need to pass it. So a lot of this work is incremental, but if 
if we ratified the Equal Rights Amendment, mm. it would be against the constitutional law of this country to discriminate against women. And obviously, to pay women less for the same work is deep discrimination. Yet it's there, and it, it needs to be corrected. And I would say that as we, we need to use the talents of all of our citizens, our, all of our people, male and female, if we're going to compete and win in this world economy. We can't just, and that means that we need to develop to the highest ability our, our women and our men uh, so that we can uh, compete in the world economy. It's important. It's an economic issue, I would say, for the country also. So, Carolyn Maloney, we're going to have to wrap up. But before we let you go, can you fill our listeners in if they'd like to learn more about your work and about the Roosevelt House Public Policy Institute? Where should they go? Well, they, I, I need to get a website up for myself. I just made a career change from uh, being a, a <laughs> member of Congress for 30 years to do returning to teaching. So I, I would go to, for the report, I'd go to the GAO's website and, and for uh, – uh, at, at, and uh, the website, H, and it's called Women in the Workforce, Underrepresentation and Management Positions Persist, and the Gender Gap Varies by Industry and Demographics. So you can look up that report on the website. Also, I need to get it up on Hunter College's website, and, and we need to work on making that happen. So uh, let's, Carolyn, let's get it done. Carolyn Maloney. And, I want to thank and you. If you have listeners that want me to work on their projects or, or their discrimination, let me know. Carolyn Maloney, I want to college. thank you so much for appearing here with Celeste and me here on Driving Forces today. It's great to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be back on your show. Have a great day. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York, also streaming live at WBAI.org. We were just speaking with former Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney and Celeste Katz-Marston and uh, me, Jeff Simmons, your hosts, are focusing on Equal Pay Day. In about 10 minutes or so, we're going to open up the phone lines. And so just write down this number, but don't call right now. 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. And when it comes to pay, Celeste, you and I, at least we can say WBAI treats us fairly. We both get paid the same amount of money here at WBAI, right, Celeste? The exact same amount, Jeff. And that would be, hang on, let me get my calculator for one second. Yeah, that'd be a big <laughs> zero. Zero. We are volunteers. We do not get paid. We uh, we spend our time uh, putting together this show and talking to you and talking to people in politics, public policy, uh, and beyond because we care about New York. And WBAI cares about New York. And uh, WBAI cares about Women's History Month. And that's why I think Jeff is going to – we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But listen, this station needs your help to keep going, to bring on great guests. We've had uh, you know, lots of people from the worlds of uh, public policy, politics, elections, culture, arts, music. This station is really comprehensive, but it relies entirely, entirely on listener support. And we are finding ourselves, just like lots of other media, uh, in a tough spot. We need your help. Please go to WBAI.org today. Become a BAI buddy in the name of this program, Driving Forces. That's WBAI.org. 
And a BAI buddy is someone who gives an ongoing contribution. It goes right onto your credit card each month. This is what I do. You do 15 or $20 a month. That's it. But it really sustains us. And when you, this month, if you become a BAI buddy, especially in the name of this show, you can receive our WBAI's Women's History Compilation of prominent women in history that we're going to mail to you on a flash drive. It's 79 hours, if you can believe it. And like me, you could just add it to your digital music folder and listen to hours and hours of amazing trailblazing women. And by the way, you're also going to get a fabulous tote bag along with that that says WBAI on it. So the Women's History Audio Collection contains... 79 hours of recordings that showcase women's history through restored audio recordings dating back to the earliest days of community radio broadcasting in 1949. So, you know, Celeste, you know, we've talked about these recordings before. I've know you, I know you've listened to some of them as well as I have. And one I listened to recently was Ella Baker. She was a major force in shaping the development of the civil rights movement in our country, a behind the scenes organizer, co-founder of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, headed by Martin Luther King Jr. and an inspiring force behind the creation of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. So I'd like to share with you an audio clip that provides a sample of what you're going to hear from Ella Baker. This spot was produced by our program director, Linda Perry, and it highlights Ella Baker. Reggie, can you play that clip? We who believe in freedom. You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial WBAI New York with a moment in women's history. The real issue is repression against anyone who is exercising what we say are our constitutional rights of freedom of speech. Ella Baker, co-founder of the Christian Leadership Conference to Fight Racism and the inspiring force behind SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, after the Greensboro, North Carolina lunch counter sit-ins. Along with CORE, the Congress of Racial Equality, SNCC organized the 1961 Freedom Rides and in 64 Freedom Summer to register black voters in Mississippi. Baker says marches are necessary to dramatize injustice, but asks why march to Washington. Why not march to Long Island? Why not march to Westchester? Why not march to the slums of New Jersey? Why not march to Harlem, to Bedford-Stuyvesant? Not in terms of a physical march, but in terms of recognizing that what is happening in these places in terms of poverty is a responsibility that has to be dealt with by those who are not impoverished. In other words, those of us who have money have got to speak to those who are in power Ella Baker says voting is the key. The Ella Baker Center for Human Rights Today advocates for books, not bars, jobs, not jails, health care, not handcuffs. You can hear more Ella Baker and other trailblazers from WBAI's Women's History Collection by becoming a WBAI buddy, a sustaining member of WBAI. $15 a month makes you a sustaining member, a WBAI buddy. You'll receive our extensive Women's History Collection plus WBAI's tote bag and we'll throw in a special gift. Please call 212-209-2950. 
212-209-2950 to become a WBAI buddy in the name of your favorite WBAI program or in the name of all WBAI shows. 212-209-2950. We're looking for more people to become WBAI buddies. 212-209-2950. Or please go to this website, Women dot wbai.org women dot wbai.org to become a wbai buddy on this women's history day that was linda perry's segment on ella baker and you can hear more from ella baker and other trailblazing women as part of our women's history audio collection here at wbai it features 79 hours of recordings dating back to the earliest days of community radio broadcasting in 1949 just go to women.wbai.org and you can get all of that today become a bai buddy in the name of this program driving forces for as little as 15 or 20 dollars a month and remember, we will also send you that wonderful WBAI tote bag. Do something good for independent media. Do something good for the environment by getting a reusable bag. Give us a call, 212-209-2950, or just go to women.wbai.org and make a pledge. Become a BAI buddy today. And we've given you a lot of phone numbers, but there's one you need to know right now because we're opening up the phone lines right now. Give us a call if you were listening to what Carolyn Maloney had to say. If you want to talk about uh, gender disparities and pay, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to know what the root causes are. What do you think the causes are? Do you think it got worse during the pandemic and why? 212-209-2877. Once again, the number to call us here at WBAI, and we can, we would love to hear from you, is 212-209-2877. You know, it's, it's interesting, Celeste, because you know, I've talked in the last few days with uh, a union that I, I represented my full-time job, and they were basically telling me, you know, about how after years and years of service, and because they are largely women up there above like fifty or sixty thousand dollars, and they look at comparable positions, especially with men, and how significant those raises are that they're getting, and working with them about this. And, you know, I said, well, if this happens, have you considered you might be, no, we want to stay in this job because we want to be public servants. And it's just amazing, these disparities. When 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. Have you ever had the experience of finding out that a guy doing the same job as you was making more money? Or somebody, uh, a, a male was getting a promotion that you were not getting, even though you were doing the same work or more work. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Marston here with Jeff Simmons. And I really think that uh, she had a lot of interesting things to say about the fact that the ERA still has not uh, still has not come to pass. I mean, really, if you think about it, and you tell me why. You call in and tell me why. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. What is the issue with not uh, with not passing uh, and making the law of the land that women and men are of equal stature in this country. 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877, give us a call. And as we wait for those calls to come in, we're going to take a short break and leave you with one of my favorite women's empowerment songs. I once saw her on 
I don't even think it, yeah, it's not there anymore. On the pier in the Hudson River, when I first heard her, I thought she was a country singer and she just blew me away. So I'm sure you will know this singer and you will know this song. Reggie, play this song. course, the one and only Whitney Houston here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons, and we're talking about pay equity this Women's History Month. We are going to go right to the phones, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Going to our first caller, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, is it me? That's you. Hi. I have two thank yous, a request, and some information follow-up. All right, so my first um, thank you is to Reggie for playing that song, <laughs> which is, I guess, Reggie chose it, it because um, it's not a country song. This is New York. <laughs> um, awesome, Reg. And then uh, thank you, Celeste, for being, I think, the only woman holding down the 5 p.m. time slot. There on WBAI all week long. You sound great. Um, request is can we please have more um, or any besides this show um, and on uh, March 8th um, shows programming coverage of women's actual issues because maybe women should be taking advantage of Women's History Month and actually speaking about women's issues because if we don't do it this month, when are we going to do it? And acknowledging problems is the first step to solution, to solving them. So the last thing is just um, last month I um, made a mistake when I uh, called into um, the dude who hosts, I forget his name, 
his morning show. Um, I thought it was uh, Democracy Now! that had covered that um, police are banned from making traffic stops in a couple of cities. And it wasn't. It was an ABC video that I then found. Mm. Um, so I just have great news about it. I know it has nothing to do with women's issues. So please, next week, please, you guys cover women's issues. But um, it has to do with, you know, like model cities doing wonderful things regarding um, stopping uh, police powers. So Berkeley, so it's called Examining Whether Police Should Enforce Traffic Stops. And they have great talking points like stopping cops from stopping cars and criminal Mm -hmm. fishing expeditions, and they're doing it again in Berkeley. The video even said um, the last place they're doing it is Lansing, Michigan. So Jordan Blair Woods is the law professor um, who is quoted in the appeal saying the same thing. So thank you, guys. And thank you. And I'm going to correct you on one thing. Reggie would love to steal credit for me on this one. But no, I chose that song this week because I just love listening to Whitney Houston all the time. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for your call. Let's get to the next call. We've got a few callers on the line. uh, Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air with Celeste and Jeff. What's your name and what's on your mind today? It's Roger from New Milford. Hi, Roger. How are you today? Good. Uh, You've got WBAI, first of all. And secondly, uh, I've got a suggestion for uh, equal pay for women. Why aren't there more women in the trades? Masons, roofers, siders, electricians, carpenters, mechanics. These people all make good money. I'm in the trades myself. I don't see any women there. Well, that's a that's an interesting point, and I'm I'm glad that you uh, that you made it. I think you know, first of all, these these jobs have been very traditionally held by men, and I think maybe it's just hard for a woman to break in. I'm not saying that there are not women who do uh, trade work: electrician, plumber, carpenter, painter, uh, you know, what, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah. I think it's just overcoming tradition uh, is is. A very heavy well, lift. It's an uphill climb, yeah. right? I mean, you know, it's, how many saying, how many yeah, people have never hired a woman for a trade job in their lives, right? Well, because you need you need some skills to come in with. And the other suggestion is, if, if they want equal, you know, to, to get this equal pay, which I think is an important issue, why don't they just self-identify as men? Wait, try that again. Tell me again. If, if, if women want equal pay with the men, if there's a disparity. The women should self-identify as men. Why should they have to self-identify as something they don't identify with to get an equal paycheck? I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but I'm I'm genuinely curious. I mean, I should have to say that I am a man if I am a woman in order to make the same money as you or Jeff or Reggie or whoever it is. I don't know. I'm having kind of an issue with that one. Sarcasm. May I say sarcasm? (laughs) You may. You may. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Always appreciate it. Give to- All right. Thanks for calling in. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. Going back to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Haley. I'm in Long Island. And I'm going to take a little different tact on this because I don't really agree with a lot of this. I think okay. that the, the problem really, first of all, is we're in a capitalist economy. And I know 
people, women or black people or minorities, everyone wants to complain that, you know, they don't get the same treatment and there's statistics to back it up. But ultimately, 99% of the capitalists, like myself, care about one thing, money. And if a woman is going to do the job cheaper or a black person or a minority, I'm going to pay them as little as I can because that's how I make money. Now, I understand you may think, oh, well, that's anti, you know, logic because I should want to pay more to make them happy. That's fine. That's your business. For most capitalists, the deal is you pay as little as you can within reason. And right now, if you're a minority or a woman or whatever you want to call it, you're willing to take it. And that's how capitalism works. And I don't think making a law that says I can't do that is right. Because in a capitalist society, you are worth you can, what you can get, not what the law dictates. And whether you are black, white, female, or male, if you don't take the job and you make yourself worth more money, I will offer you more money. And if the man sucks at the job, he will be fired. That's capitalism. And I think that that's the crux. Instead of focusing on forcing me to hire or pay more, you should focus on the people who feel they're getting discriminated against or ripped off. They can start their own company and hire their own. And I know they won't because they want the best. So they're going to tend to wind up with, not always, but we'll go to the default white males. Even if it's maybe run by, let's say, black females, if they're trying to maximize money because that's what presents itself. Now, that doesn't mean... There's not females or black people and minorities worth a lot of money. There are. Maybe not as many, but there's plenty of them that are on the boards. They're presidents. I hire females at my law firm. I've hired black people. If they're worth it, and that's the key, you got to focus on them. They need to make themselves more valuable. When I wanted a job, I went door to door and knocked on a door. Knocked. People said, oh, maybe they won't hire you, you're Jewish, you're a girl. You know what they said? Oh, my God, you're here, you want work. Yes, I'll hire you. I had more jobs than I could take. Why did I get that? Because I made myself valuable that they wanted me. That's just my thoughts. I think less time complaining about how come the guy gets more. And if it's really true, then you should quit. You should tell your job, I am invaluable, you are paying him Mm -hmm. more. And I am leaving. And, in fact, at one job, I did do that. I don't know why they paid me less. I knew I was valuable. Was it because I'm a girl? Was they could get away with it? I don't know, but I don't care. I said I'm leaving. And I was about to leave. I got another job. And you know what they said then? Please stay. We'll give you more money. I said, now it's too late. I already found another job for more money. That's hey, how capitalism works. And, Haley, on that note, we're going to... And we're going to have to leave you, Haley, on that note, because we are going to have to wrap up the show in just a few minutes. But I want to thank you for giving us a call and your perspective on this. If you just tuned in, this is Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live at WBAI.org. You know, and what we've tried to just get across a less than I in, in, in our shows is, is that, you know, we want to just stress the importance of WBAI because WBAI has been committed to showcasing diverse voices. And in large measure, that's due to you, our listeners. It's your support over the years that have kept us on the air, that has allowed us to bring you voices like Amy Goodman and Margaret Kimberly and Joanna Fernandez and shows like Voices of Resistance. So I know we've mentioned this throughout the show. We mentioned it on other shows, but it's important to us. 
And if you care about New York, if it means something to you to have a radio show that talks about how to make this city a better place for people regardless of gender and gender identity, race or ethnicity, well, take a moment today and go to WBAI.org and lend your support. Because remember, we're not commercial. We're listener supported and we need your help. This station does not exist without you. It's plain and simple. WBAI will go silent. We'll go off the air forever without the support of everyone who listens. Most of us, as Celeste and I have noted during the show, are volunteers. We work hard to bring you the best programming and we do this for New York, but we can't do it without New York. It only takes a minute to support the kind of free speech, independent radio that you cannot get elsewhere. Remember, big business does not power WBAI. You power WBAI. So we are counting on you. Go to WBAI.org today and stand up for free speech radio. That's WBAI.org. And remember, a BAI buddy is somebody who gives an ongoing contribution. It goes right onto your card, $15 a month or more. We will send you the Women's History Compilation, Prominent Women in History. You will also get the tote bag. But most importantly, you will be supporting independent media in New York City, independent media. We are not powered by big business. We do not take big money from big corporations. We don't get tons of government funding. This radio station depends on you. If you are listening to this program right now, you are part of the WBAI family. And if you want to be part of the family, you got to pitch in. You got to contribute. Go to WBAI.org today or call 212-209-2950, 9-5-0. Make a pledge. Be a BAI buddy. Support independent free speech radio today. We want to thank our guest, former Congress member Carolyn Maloney, and we want to thank our listeners, our callers, and Reggie Johnson, the man behind the board. Jeff, are you back this weekend or what? Yes, I am back this Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with my co-host Carlos Menchaca hosting City Watch. Uh, I've got a few topics we're entertaining right before the show. So last I heard from a council member who's going to let me know by tomorrow morning if he could do the show. It's a topic that's been in the headlines recently. I don't want to say anything yet because I'm waiting to make sure I get that confirmation. But 8 a.m. this Sunday, City Watch, I will be here with Carlos. Now, before I go, I want to share my WBAI address with you, my email address, because I want to hear from you about topics that you'd like Celeste and I to talk about, to address in the coming months. We've heard from listeners before directly on issues like climate change and healthcare. So this is our responsibility to you. We ask you for your support. Well, we also want to touch on the issues that you care about. So here is my email address. And then I'll give Celeste's home number if you'd like to call her. Then the email address is jeff at wbai.org. Again, that's j-e-f-f at wbai.org. Please email me with your thoughts. I admit my mailbox is a bit unwieldy. I often do not get the chance to respond right away, but I do make a point by the weekend of going through all the emails I get. And hopefully some of your ideas will help shape future episodes of this show. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we upload, or rather Celeste remembers to upload for us every edition of our program to SoundCloud, Apple, and Stitcher, so you can subscribe and never miss a show. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Driving Forces. Have a safe, happy, and healthy Women's History Month. We'll be back with you soon. See you on the radio. 